0: Um, today, we have a surprise for you, and it's so good. I'm so glad you came today. You're going to be so glad you came today because we have a guest with us today. And let me just tell you about our guest. He's an incredible, credible man of God. Pastor Galen Lachey, I had an opportunity to meet several years ago because our church is involved in, in the Gateway Network of churches. And uh, if you don't know about Gateway Church in South Lake, so just a blip, I don't. How many campuses do you have? Ten campuses, a billion people. <laughs> um, it's a very large church that God's not only using in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, But really all around the world. And you probably, if you haven't heard of Gateway Church, you've probably heard of Robert Morris, who wrote the Blessed Life, but also the Blessed Life TV program that's seen on Daystar and TBN and probably other channels seen by millions and millions and millions of people around the world. And so Pastor Galen is one of the founding elders of that church, serves with Pastor Robert. And so you see Pastor Robert, but you don't see these mighty men of God that always that surround him and have been a part of helping uh, facilitate what God wanted to do in and through that church and so because we're in the gateway network and because relationship there I got to meet Pastor Galen years ago and we just became friends we just our sense of humors just kind of click and uh, we have a lot of fun together and um, he has just become such a great mentor to me and such a great help to me such a great friend to me um, and really also not just me but then our church and Pastor Galen was so instrumental in walking our church several years ago through a very a turbulent time, tumultuous time. Really, one of the hardest seasons I walked through personally. One of the hardest seasons our church probably walked through, and he helped lead our elders through that, along with some other elders from Gateway Church. And it was so great to have them in that time. And it's been so great to have him. And I get to talk with him, you know, throughout the month. And and uh, and then a few months ago, we made the decision from the elders to invite him and ask him, really, as an invitation, um, but also not just that. But it was. I don't want to say a plea, but it was like, hey, would you consider joining our elder team as a trans local elder, meaning he will be an elder of Pathway the same as our other elders, even though he's not in Longview, obviously serves uh, in Dallas or in Southlake, actually and he he said let me pray about that and he prayed about it and he came back and he said yeah i believe the lord is saying that i can do that and i'd love to serve with your elders and so he is serving our church now he's in all of our elders meetings helping us make decisions and he's just an invaluable resource because of just all of his experience and you know he was in a, you know he's a bank president for a thousand years before he became a pastor for the last 600 and uh, but he's just 24 so you know so I, you do the math i don't know but um but, anyways, just all that he knows. And every time we get in an elders meeting, we start asking him questions. And, and it's just, God's just using him not only around, really around the world, but um, in, in our church. And I wanted you to hear him. I wanted you to meet him. So, will you give a warm pathway welcome to our elder, Pastor Galen Lachey?
1: Well, good morning. This morning, uh, in the early service, I had a headset on, and it kept making noises because you know not have a tendency to move around a lot, and so uh, I was asked to use this, and so it's Marty's um, microphone that he was using, and so I just asked him not to spit in it too much. And I don't think he did, but hopefully not. Anyway, we'll, we'll see. So anyway, I'm so glad to be here this morning. Um, I love your Pastor. He's uh he's such a delight. He's a great friend and uh we do have a good time together. And um we we won't tell you some of the stories we tell one another, but um you know that might change your opinion of him. But uh anyway, we have a good time and I'm I'm so glad to be here. Um as uh Pastor Marty said, I am a well he didn't say this. I'm going to. I'm a native Texan and Wow. A lot of interlopers here, if you're, if you're not native Texans. And uh, I'm often asked, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and I've been asked many times if I've lived there all my life. Not yet. <laughs> not quite anyway. And, um, but uh, it's such a thrill for me to be here with you. Uh, I have a wife at home. Um, her name is Susan. She goes by Suge. It's what the grandkids call her. So naturally, that's what I call her as well. And uh, this September, we'll be married 54 years. And another interesting thing about this September actually, September the 27th of this year will be 50 years ago that I gave my life to the Lord. 50 years. And I know I know some of you are probably longer than that but you know when I think of 50 years I I am actually amazed and kind of marvelled at the fact that at my age today I'm still here because I think about you know growing up and all the things that I did before you know being saved and and all of that and I'm just I'm either I'm so grateful that um I'm not in jail or I'm not in a grave. And I'm still upright, at, at least in this moment. So, anyway. Well, this morning, I want to I share with you... Uh, Pastor Marty mentioned um, that Easter is in two weeks. And, um, and I want to share, beginning with a passage of Scripture out of Hebrews. And it's actually out of Hebrews 12. And it begins, Therefore... There's a lot of things that we can see there, but I want to focus just for a minute on one word because it is probably the most important word in that passage, and it's the word joy. For the joy that was set before Him. Now, we could think about that and think, well, why would it be joyful for Him knowing that He's going to the cross? And that would be one way to think about it, but if we really drill into the text... When we look at what the word joy means, it actually means delight. For the delight that was set before him. Now, again, it doesn't have anything to do with the cross. Because he willingly went to the cross, he endured the shame of the cross for us. Because you are the joy. I am the joy that was set before him. He knew that whenever his father sent him to earth, that his assignment was the redemption of mankind. And there was only one way to accomplish that, and that was through the shedding of blood. And that goes back into the Old Testament, and we don't have time to unpack all of that about the shedding of blood for the redemption of sin. But you, you are the joy that was set before him. And then Paul reminds us in in Galatians chapter 3, that um, where Hebrews tells us that, uh, that he took the curse of the cross, the shame of the cross, Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 3 that cursed is a man that hangs on a tree. So Jesus willingly took upon himself the shame and the curse so that we his joy could experience everlasting life so what i want to do in the next few minutes is to is to unpack something that i think a lot of us have difficulty dealing with and that's shame and rejection now there's a passage of scripture in uh, in john 16:33 jesus said this he said i've told you these things so that you may have peace In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I think about that, and I think, thank you, God, very much for that passage of Scripture. It's one that I really enjoy. When you tell me that I'm going to have trouble, thank you so much for that little bit of knowledge that in this life in this world will have trouble. Well, the word trouble, if you break it down from the Greek, in the Greek lexicon, the word is tarasso, and it has a number of meanings. It means to agitate. Trouble agitates. It means to cause one inward commotion, to take away his calmness of mind, to disturb equanimity, evenness of mind, you know, especially under stress. takes away our balance. It causes us to... Uh, disquiet, to, make re- to be restless, to stir up, to strike one's spirit with fear and dread, to render anxious or distressed or perplex the mind by suggesting scruples or doubts. So really, when you think about the word trouble, what it means is trouble. In this life, we will have trouble. Well, I can remember growing up and, and thinking about, as I think back on my life, and I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, and uh, my dad was one of those that um, he wasn't brought up this way, but it, but circumstances of in, li- in his life caused him to become a very, very angry man. I mean, very angry. And even to the extent that my sister and I never knew if we were dressed right to come to the table because sometimes we would wind up on the floor from a back end. And so... Think about this, that the things that we see and the things that we experience begin to make impressions on us, okay? And so I can remember even that, um, and I know all of you have done this, and you've asked your kids this, I did it, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all of us had some kind of an answer, you know, of some type, You know, my dad was a police officer in Fort Worth, Texas, and so the natural thing to have done would be said, I'm going to be a police officer. That would have probably been the easiest thing for me because he might have accepted that, but as a kid, when you think about what you want to do when you grow up and you say something like, well, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer, and that's what I said, and the response was, you'll never do that. You're not smart enough to do that. You'll never achieve anything more than I have ever achieved in my life. Impressions. Imprinting. And so then we go through our life and and things don't quite work out the way that we want them to and, and, you know, that trouble that comes along and and we begin to think about uh, some of the things that we've experienced growing up as kids and all of a sudden, you know, it's easy for us to fall into the trap of shame. I can remember as kids sitting around, and we would talk about, you know, what does your dad do? What does your dad do? You know, where do you live? Where do you live? You know, and that kind of thing. And, you know, it was always shameful for me. It was never one of those things that was easily enjoyed, you know. And so shame has a way of just, you know, shackling us. They're like shackles on our feet that keep us from moving. And it's an impression on our brain that keeps us from achieving the things that we can achieve because of shame. Growing up, um, my grandmother was the disciplinarian in our... Because my mother worked, she was a single mom, and my parents divorced when I was very young. And I could tell you that story too, but let me just, let me just share it with you this way, that the reason that my parents divorced was my fault. That's what I was told. It was your fault. But I can remember growing up and always getting in trouble doing something. You know, kids get in trouble, and I was probably the best at it. And but my grandmother—any um, of you ever get disciplined with a switch? Oh, a lot of hands. All right, I, we've got a connection going now. <laughs> Well, my grandmother was the one that, um, that whenever she was getting ready to give you a switch in, you had to go pick your own switch. And if it wasn't the right size, she would go pick one twice the size. And so she would pull in, in the wintertime whenever we wear jeans or, you know, long pants, pull the pant leg up and just give it like this blood and everything. I mean, just, you know, I'm teasing. She wasn't that mean, but she was pretty mean. (laughs) I love her to death. But I can remember, you know, those things. And hearing the words, I'm ashamed of you. No one in this room has probably ever heard that. I'm ashamed of you. Impressions imprinting, telling us who we are, and we believe it. Well, you see, the thing is that um, Jesus took our shame. He took it right on the cross, and he, He took it willingly so that we would never have to be defined by shame again. And so, the definition of shame is it's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. That's what it is. That's what shame is. The painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. You know, we make mistakes. And, you know, shame began back in the Old Testament. I don't know if you know that or not. Back in Genesis... Chapter 3, verse 10, where Adam actually said back to the Lord, he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Shame causes us to hide. And it actually causes us to hide the true identity that we have in Christ. We lose respect or esteem or dishonor. And so when I, think about, when I think about shame and I think about, you know, growing up, I have to remember that um, because Jesus took it on the cross, that the shame that we have experienced, all of us have experienced from some point in our life or another, you know, comes down to one thing, and that is that we hold on to it. And oftentimes the reason that we hold on to it is because of pride. We don't want to bring it into the light. We don't want to expose it. We don't want to gain freedom from the shame of the things that we've encountered in our life. And the reason I say it's pride is because we want to keep them hidden. Shame causes us to hide, and it's not good for us to hide at all, and we just have to get to come to the place to where we want to be set free. Because, you see, the root causes of, of shame, one is the performance over person. In other words, you have to perform well. Because I'll recognize your performance, but I won't recognize you as a person. Okay? I'll recognize your performance, but I won't recognize you as a person. We're not allowed to make mistakes. Any perfectionists in the room? Oh, come on now. It's okay. Some of you, you know, kind of like this, you know, waving just a little bit. Well, see, here's the thing perfectionism really is a curse. I want you to know that because it doesn't allow room for any mistakes at all. There's only one that was perfect. And so whenever I exercise perfectionism in my life, it's whenever I, I look at things in such a way that I don't want any mistakes to happen because if a mistake happens, it's a reflection on me. And if it's a reflection on me and it looks bad, then once again, the performance is, is being looked at more than me as a person. I can't do well enough. And oftentimes when we say that we can't do well enough, we sabotage success. I'll never be able to do that. I can't do that. I just can't do it well enough. We have to always do better. We're overachieving. We always do better. You know, we make mistakes even when our, with our kids growing up, and I can, I can remember as my, as my boys were growing up, my oldest son is 52, I know I don't look it. You know, my wife thinks that I dress a little young, you know, jean jacket. She asked me one day, I guess it was last week, I had this jean jacket on. She says, you feel 13 again? (laughs) It's like, yeah, I do. (laughs) I like it. But we make mistakes with our sons, and uh, I did with my sons, and, and, you know, even to the extent that, that my youngest son got involved in, in the drug culture at one time, and, and, you know, we had to walk him through that. He's 48 today, and he's one of the best men on the planet. But because of expectations oftentimes that we put as parents on our kids that are that are unrealistic expectations, unspec- you know, expectations that we put on ourselves that are unrealistic, we don't measure up. And when you don't measure up, you might as well live the way that you're being told that you are. Does that make sense? I was really good at that. So then we, uh, it also has to do with uh, our self-worth is contingent upon others if we're dealing with shame. Undiscussed issues or secrets. The fear of discovery. Hiding secrets is one of the main ingredients of shame. See we have a tendency to do that. I can remember a time in my life when I hid a lot of secrets because I knew that, you know, as um, as popular as I was in school, you know the big man on campus, all those kind of things. That if you were really found out, nobody's going to like you. And unfortunately for me, you know my wife found out some secrets at one point in our life, and she decided to quit, and she did. But only by the grace of God, only by his infinite mercy, did we walk through a a very, very dark time. See, I grew up in the drug culture. I was actually saved in the Jesus movement back in 1973, but I grew up in the drug culture. And also, during that time, there was a, a little conflict known as Vietnam, and I served in the Marine Corps in Vietnam. And, um, and so, one of the things that was instilled in us was that you were bulletproof. You know, nothing could hurt you. You were just absolutely bulletproof. And so, and that's the way that I acted. I was bulletproof. She had enough. She was gone, but only by the grace of God. And so, when we hide secrets, you know, it's not good because we're afraid to be found out but only when we bring them into the light. First John tells us that if we, are, we will confess our sins one to another. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Well, shame leads us into rejection. And the definition of shame is to do away with what has been laid down or set aside. It's I null, to make no effect, to set aside, ignore, to slight, to break faith with someone. It's when we reject them. Now, we reject sin, and Jesus rejects sin, but He never rejected anyone. And how often do we do that? We size people up the way that they look. And we decide that just on the basis of how you look or how you act, you stay out here. When Jesus says, "No, everyone can come to me. Everyone can come to me." And so, rejection is one of those things that is just—it's—it's it's kind of rampant today in in our society. Uh, it's also the spurning of a person's affections. Um, it's a lack of acceptance or consistent criticism. You know, whenever someone is is subjected to consistent criticism, they feel rejection. Some root causes of rejection or abuse, you know, physical, verbal, sexual, or emotional, turmoil in the home. Adoption can be a, a form of rejection, abandonment, unfaithfulness in marriage, divorce, or peer rejection. Jesus was rejected, Mark 12.10 tells us that the, that the stone, the capstone that the stone cutters cut that is represented Jesus. He's our cornerstone. He was rejected. And so all of this comes together, and it just kind of circles all around us, and and it's like, okay, what do we do? Because if we don't act on it, if we don't deal with, with shame, if we don't deal with rejection, it becomes like a bitter root. And that bitter root that gets takes deep, deep root. Scripture tells us that we need to lay the axe to the root. But you see, it's, it's up to us. We have to take the first step. We have to recognize, first of all, that, that shame has been a part of our life, and if we don't want to carry it anymore, then we lay it at the foot of the cross. Because shame that Jesus took on the cross, He delivered us from feeling shamed, from the actions of our life because His blood covered everything. When we feel like that we're rejected, we have to recognize and realize that that Jesus is the one that holds a hand out and He accepts us. We may not be accepted by anyone else, and I've kind of thought this from time to time as I'm, you know, as you kind of navigate around in in our society today, and I, I think, you know, I don't care if anyone likes me or not, as long as Jesus Himself accepts me. And so we begin to change our mind. It's a mindset that needs to be changed. And we could go into a whole long thing about, um, in Romans chapter 12, about renewing the mind. But we don't have time. But what I want you to understand is that shame can be laid down and that you're not rejected because of Christ. Some of you today are feeling a little depressed. Some of you are at a place to where you've, you've had a loss of something or someone. Some of you are a little perplexed. You're a little confused. You're wondering whether or not that God really sees you. And I can tell you for sure He sees you. And I can tell you for sure that He knows you. And I can tell you for sure that He loves you. And I can tell you for sure that He wants to see you set free. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. If you'll just stand up right where you are. And I want you to... Take a moment, and I want you to reflect on your life from before Christ until the time that you were saved and even after. And in that reflection, what I want you to see are those moments whenever you have felt the 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 shame of your life, of the things that you did. And it may have been anything, that, that anything at all. But that whenever you, whenever you feel that, what I want you to, to visualize is that from that point up until your salvation, all of that was nailed right to the cross. And so it was canceled. It was canceled. And if it's been canceled, it's canceled because the word canceled is an absolute word. It's canceled. It's canceled. And I also want you to see those those times in your life whenever you've been rejected or felt rejection. And then I want you to picture Christ standing in front of you with arms open, waiting to embrace you. And there's going to be an altar team here, and we're going to ask them to start making their way up. And and I'm going to just ask you, What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I also want to, want to tell you that if, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today's a good day. Because I've come to this conclusion that there is no risk. He's either who He says He is, and He provides us what He says He's going to provide, or He's not. But there is no risk. None whatsoever. But there is a huge benefit. And that is that we get to experience Him forever and forever. So in these moments, if if you're at that place to where you need to lay down the shame you just need to have someone hug you and and tell you that you're loved and you're accepted and then make your way to the front and so Holy Spirit we ask you to come we ask you to move all across this place we know that you took our shame We know, Lord, that you don't reject us. And so we lay it down at your feet and receive your love in Jesus' name.
0: Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected and there's several ways you can do that number one you can download the pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you you can also subscribe to our youtube channel and if you do make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel and then also uh, make sure you follow us on social media on instagram on facebook look Our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.